Welcome to The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast. I'm your host, Aman Shahi. There's a ton going on in the world right now, and much of it impacts real estate investors. The Real Deal podcast will take a look at what's happening and how it influences you as a real estate investor. Each episode is a 20-minute segment dedicated to distilling the day's most important news, so you can stay up to date on what's going on in the world and how it might affect the commercial real estate market. Hey everyone, thank you and welcome to the show, The Real Deal Podcast. Today we have a special guest and it's a very first episode for our show and we have a very special guest, Bill Ham. Hey Bill, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks man. Thanks for having me on, man. So what's going on, man? How did you get into real estate? First tell me that. If, all right. Well, uh, it's been 18 years now and oh, wow. uh, yeah, long story, but basically I, I saw uh, friends of mine that were flipping houses, doing real estate, doing stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, I, I thought, well... You know, they're no better than I am. There's no smarter than I am. And we were all hanging out at the same bar last night and they got up and made a bunch of money in real estate and I got up and went to work. And so eventually that that started to not add up and uh, and I decided to figure out what they were doing. And so uh, I got into real estate. I did my first deal was a, a duplex, actually. And um, I had saved up ten thousand dollars and the duplex was making about 300 bucks a month and I quit. Oh being a pilot, which is what I was doing. So I quit aviation and went into real estate and figured it out uh, ever since. You said you were a pilot. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's kind of cool, to be honest. Yeah. It, 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 it Flying airplanes is fun. What you don't understand about being a pilot is that flying the airplane is about 10% of the job. You know, 90% of the job is sitting around some boring airport being told when and where you're going to fly the airplane. You know, flying the airplane. Yeah, that's great fun. Very small amount of the job. It's like a lot of jobs, you know. Uh, you don't you don't see uh, all the work and the other stuff that goes behind the scene. You just see the interesting stuff. But you know, I, I would say ninety percent of most people's jobs suck, uh, yeah. and mine certainly did. Um, you know, I, again, I like you. I thought, oh, you know, pilot is going to be such a fun job. And again, flying airplanes is great. It's just being told when and where to do it. Not so much. And um, you say your first deal was a duplex. Did you like flip it, or that was a rental? What was that? No, funny you ask. Funny you ask. I still own it today. 18 wow. years later, I still own that duplex. Uh, I have had a portfolio of over a thousand units and I uh, have li- <clears throat> recently sold everything. So we're at the top of the market. I've sold my entire portfolio except for that one duplex <laughs> that I still own. It's the only piece of real estate I own right now. Uh, and it uh, is in Macon, Georgia, and it's abandoned. And I paid way too much for money for it many, many years ago. And I owe way too much money on it. And so I just make the mortgage payment every single month and let it sit. Does um, anybody live there? Nobody lives there. A tree lives there, right in the middle of the living room. Then why are you keeping it? Uh, because it, it's, it's my very, very first deal. And it's mm. the only deal in real estate I, real estate I ever put into my own name, mm. which I don't recommend you do. And that was, I, I learned that lesson. I read chapter three. After I did that deal. And so my very first deal was in my personal name. And so the decision that I ultimately made was that it's a $416 a month mortgage payment, something like that, you know, and is that worth a personal foreclosure? And the answer was always no, you know, so I, I went ahead and just wrote it off. Uh, you know, again, not long story, medium sized story here. Uh, the neighborhood got really bad. The asset turned out to be in a pretty tough part of uh, middle Georgia. 
the neighborhood got bad. Um, all of the property was damaged and I could never keep it renovated. So I found it actually cheaper to just allow it to sit uh, boarded up and um, just pay the mortgage on it each year, each month and to avoid a foreclosure. And so uh, what I'm saying is, hey, listen, if you make a mistake, that's OK. Just don't stop. Right. It's just like keep going. Just cost average that mistake in there. So I screwed that one up and went out and bought a handful more. Um, screwed up a few more and then bought a bunch more and um, finally it, it figured it out. So, uh, yep. But I remember I, I make that mortgage payment every month. It reminds me where I started. Yeah. You learn from your mistakes all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Just don't, don't worry about it. You know, just keep no. going. That's, that's the key. You're going to make mistakes. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. As a Kanye West said, don't try Just do it. Exactly. And so what do you think what's going on right now in the market? It's very unpredictable. Uh, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, it's it's unpredictable for people who are new to the business. It's it's mm. not really that unpredictable for people who have been here. Um, you can the market cycles and, and you know, as well, uh, and you and I've talked a lot about real estate and uh, there, it's a lot to do with market cycles and understanding where we're at in the market and where we're going, where the market is, is at and largely has to do with uh, interest rates. I mean, that's always sort of the, the answer is you have to watch the interest rates and interest rates always sort of dictate the market cycles. And when interest rates go up, the market you know, will level off. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go crashing down or anything of that nature, but it certainly uh, levels off for a little while. And sometimes transactions become difficult um, for the short period. Now, you know, over the, the macro cycle, uh, real estate is always sort of up into the right. You know, values always ultimately go up. Sometimes in the micro cycle, they can be very volatile. But macro cycle over, a, let's say, a five to 10 year window you know, um, I would say values are always going to be uh, up. And real estate's always a good place to be. You just do need to understand underwriting. You need to know what you're doing. You need to be careful about what kind of deals you get into. So what do you think, like, what are the seller's <clears throat> expectations right now? Because everybody is still living in denial and they're still living, you know, they can get higher prices, but they still don't want to bring down their prices and still expecting right. the same, what, what they were expecting in the last two years. Right. Well, that will probably be the case until the seller has to sell. You know, there's a point in time when the seller may want to sell and they may want to sell to make a bunch of profit. And I think that's where the market's at right now, that most of these sellers want to sell and they want to make a bunch of profit. And that's fine. Everyone does. Certainly can't blame them. But their motivation may become heightened. Uh, when that mortgage comes due. So if there's sellers out there that, that have mortgages that come due in the next, oh, you know, day to two years, uh, they may be uh, in, in a distressed exit scenario. You know, I don't think a lot of people underwrote an exit strategy mm -hmm. with interest rates where they are right now. And so I think that is going to create motivated sellers. That's the, the strength and the weakness about multifamily, isn't it? I mean, it's the debt. If you got long-term debt, five, seven, 10 years, you probably don't care what the prices are. You can just see your cash flow. Don't worry about it. But if you ain't got a two-year mortgage, you're very concerned about what the rates and the prices are. So it really all has to do with how much time and equity you have in a deal. And have and you bought any deal in the last two years? Uh, I have not bought in the last, well, in under two years, yes, but I've sold everything recently. Mm. Yeah. So I have been a net seller uh, mm. you know, over the last few years, definitely. Because I remember you mentioned you studied this market cycles. I think that's a great strategy that you sold yeah. everything and then yeah. you have a bunch of cash when everything after six months or one year will be discounted and you buy yeah, everything whatever. again. Yeah, whenever it's time to buy. And I, you know, and, and people ask me, oh, are you on the sidelines? Are you not buying right now? Are you on vacation? No, none of those things. I look at deals all the time. I just have certain buying parameters. I know what a good mm -hmm. deal is. I know 
what I can go out and, and get investors interested in. And when mm. I see that in the market, then I'll buy it. And lately, I just haven't seen that due to the pricing. So it's not that I'm not active and not in the market. I'm just not chasing prices. I'm, I'm mm. not here to prove anything. I'm not getting started. I'm not new to the business. So I have the ability to be patient. Um, that may not be everybody's position, but it's mine. And so that, that's where I'm at. Just, you know, sit tight. And, and I do believe in cycles. And I do believe that prices are going to uh, do some mm. interesting things here real soon, actually. So what do you think, what are the criteria and strategy everybody should have in mind before they even invest in anything, before they buy anything, even for active and passive investors? Well, I, I think the number one thing people need to know is how to underwrite a deal. You know, it's the basics of underwriting. I mean, that's the main thing. It's it, I, I see so many people out here, limited partners, general partners, who really don't understand underwriting, and especially on the limited partner side, especially, mm -hmm. especially. You know, what I always tell everybody is no like and trust is not good enough. You know, as a limited partner, it's good that you know, like and trust your general partner. That's fine. But you need to understand the basics of, of underwriting. And I don't I don't mean, you know, going super high level, but just when a, a general partner puts a, a profit and loss in front of you or puts a pro forma or some sort of investment prospectus in front of you, that you know how to actually read the numbers beyond the high level stuff they put on the very front page. You know, everybody reads the front page. We're going to make a whole lot of money, cash flow, great deal, you know, all this kind of stuff. Okay, fine. But let's look down here and see what kind of uh, parameters they're using to create these returns. What kind of data is being entered into this calculation to, mm. you know, calculate 10% cash and cash? Well, what you'll usually find is that the syndicator is using um, extremely aggressive rent growth and exceedingly low uh, inflation and low expense growth. And I see a lot of times people, you know, having 15% rent growth for several years in a row, and then like 2% expense growth for the same amount of time. And it's like, you know, if you can do that, you should run for, for the Fed chair, you know, I mean, you should be running our government. If you can run a deal like that, that's amazing. And, and so again, you know, when you put that kind of data into a calculator, yes, it will tell you that a deal is a great deal with great returns, but can you actually make it do that? That's my whole point. And that's where limited partners uh, really need to focus is on learning what kind of data is acceptable and what isn't. And it's very simple. They just need to apply a little bit of um, you know, energy. So you're saying there are so many shady GPs out there too? I probably wouldn't put it quite like that, but uh, I'm not going <laughs> to say that's not a, a correct comment. Um, I, I am seeing things that make me very uncomfortable yeah. with some of the general partners in the market right now. Mm -hmm. Yes, I will be very clear in saying that. Um, something that I would warn any general partner, or excuse me, any, well, either one, general or limited partners, specifically limited partners right now, be careful. A lot of general partners are over-raising uh, capital. Mm. They're calling it reserves, and then they're using that to fulfill cash flow. So mm. be very careful when you see a, a you know prospectus or a property package sent from a general partner and it shows lots of cash flow. Is it true cash flow from profit generated from the property, or is this uh, this general partner over-raising redistributing that overraise as cash flow. The conversation really boils down to, is it return of or return on capital? So be careful about that. So the main point is everybody trusts their GP. That's why they're investing. Good. It's all it's a trust-based business. But, but verify. If, if they show them like, you, know, you will get 18% IRR or something like this, and how how can they trust their uh, underwriting before because they never saw it? They don't know how to underwrite. Well, that's my point, isn't it? They need to go out and learn how to underwrite. 
just so happens I happen to teach underwriting. Did I mention that? <laughs> uh, I, you are my coach and a mentor. Come on. But, but seriously, seriously, look, if, if you don't learn underwriting from me, learn it from someone. I'm being serious. You really, you do need to understand the basics. And again, not super, super high level. You just need somebody to sit down and show you how to read a performa and to mm-hmm. understand what information is being programmed into this performa to generate these high level returns. And yes, of course you want to trust your, your general partner, but that doesn't mean your general partner can't make a mistake. doesn't mean your general partner isn't, you know, is perfect just because you trust them and you should, but again, verify. So in this, in this time period, you know, where there are like not so many good deals. Uh, I remember you wrote a book, creative cash. Can right. those kind of strategies work in this time period? Like, you know, creative Absolutely. financing, master yep. lease. <clears throat> yeah, that's why I brought the book out is because I remember uh, uh, in the 08 cycle, uh, you know, I did f- from 2005 through on, I did a tremendous amount of creative financing. Um, and it was all due to the lack of financing and financing constraints in the market. And that's exactly what we're headed into again. And this is usually about a 10 year cycle that we go through. And so at the moment when we see rates go up and we see loan to values fall and, you know, all this uh, debt becomes a lot more expensive and difficult, that's where you start to see creative financing come into play. And that's why I wrote the book and brought the book out, uh, which is Creative Cash and it's, it's on Amazon. But it's about creative financing, and that's the point. Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. you (laughs) Right. So, you know, but that whole book is about uh, how to solve financing problems using creativity when we can't get traditional financing. And I think that's a market we're headed for uh, rapidly. And why would any seller go for creative financing? Because, you know, they just want their money and go out of the deal. Sure. And if they can get that, then they should. If they can can you know get a sale and the buyers can come and the, the property is priced right, which that's tough these days, mm-hmm. and you can get lending, then then the seller will sell. We you see creative financing as a solution when a seller has a problem that can't be solved by a traditional sale. Mm-hmm. Deferred maintenance, the building's too old, the rents are low, uh, you know, financing has gotten out of hand, the rates are too high. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why this will work. Um, you know, and then a lot of the cases, what happens is the seller becomes um, motivated personally. They're, mm-hmm. they're tired, they're burned out with the property, they don't want to be a landlord anymore. Um, legacy wealth, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. People inherit real estate all the time in this sort of legacy wealth. And that's a big concept these days. And I love the concept of legacy wealth because whoever inherits it loves to sell that stuff super cheap. You know, they just want to get yeah. a check. They don't want to be a legacy landlord. They want a legacy check. And they wind up selling it to me at a great discount. So uh, legacy wealth is the reason that people do uh, creative financing. Um, yeah, all sorts of types of things like that. So there's reasons. Uh, you know, the key is you just got to go out and not really look for creative financing deals, but just look for deals, you know, just analyze deals regularly. And if you come across a deal and you plug in the numbers and you're like, hey, a mortgage doesn't work here. Well, then try something else like lease option or seller financing. And if that doesn't work, well, then the deal just sucks and move on. So it's a win-win situation for both the parties. Right, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. and starting with the seller. You know, you, you've got to really kind of, and I, and I have a, what I call a spy technique in the book, and it's an acronym. Mm-hmm. It stands for seller property, you, you SPY. Yeah. And that's the way in which you want to kind of think about deal analysis. It's like create a, a solution for the seller's problems first, the property's problems second, and then your problems last. And you kind of mm-hmm. want to think in that order. And so, yeah, it is win-win, but start with the seller because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a good deal is probably 90% seller. 10% real estate. You know, you can have the best deal in the world if the seller doesn't want to cooperate. 
you're not going to have a deal. So, you know, it's really about the seller first. Keep that in mind. And um, you also mentioned one thing about master lease option. What is that? All right. Yeah. Master lease option. Well, it's it's the same thing if you've heard of a lease option, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lease option meaning something that you're going to rent to own. You know, you're, you're renting at lease with the option to buy it someday in the future. All right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about master lease option, it's just doing a lease option over multiple units. So it's a contract, uh, you know, where I'm going to go out and rent an apartment complex. Let's say you have an apartment complex and for some mm-hmm. reason um, you're you're tired of it, you're burned out, whatever the case. And but it's too you owe too much money. That's another reason people mm-hmm. will, will do creative financing. They owe too much money, but can't. And that's why they can't sell, which is what I think we're about to see a lot of. But anyway, different conversation. So, uh, you know what I think. So let's say you owe too much money. You can't sell. I can't buy it. But you're burned out and don't want to deal with it anymore. And what I can do is come in and rent the property from you. And then we set a purchase price for someday in the future. Mm. And, you know, you and I are going to go ahead and do this deal and uh, I'm going to rent the property, but I have the, the ability to buy it you know, between today and let's say a year or two or something like that. So that's that's roughly, uh, you know, what a master lease option is. So it's more like I'm um, uh, rental arbitrage, but, but an option to buy in the future. Exactly. That's that's correct. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Perfect. That's, perfect. Right. that's actually going to explain it. I'll put that in the next book. Yeah. And can I can also be done for the 300 plus unit building or it can be done on anything yeah the largest one i ever did was 108 units i've done small ones and large ones but the biggest was 108 units so yeah you can do it on on anything you know it's again it's really that spy technique it's about finding a seller that is for whatever reason motivated uh, to do this and you need to be the right person for it you know i mean you have to ask why would a seller do this? Not see, all right, let me back up. Everybody asks the question, why would a seller do this? And I don't think you're asking the right question. I think the question is, why would a seller do it with me? Mm. That's the real question. Sellers do it all the time. Why would they do it for you? I think that, you know, let's not confuse that with why would a seller do it at all? You know, and so you need to ask and say, why would a seller do it with you? Why are you the solution? What do you bring that that seller needs? And if you can answer that question, then I think you have a good chance of, of getting uh, lease options done. Yeah, business is all about solving the problem. Absolutely. And so what do you think, what's the right time to buy a next deal? What yesterday. is the right time? Hmm? Yesterday. Yep. I know. But like, <laughs> what right time? Now, I mean, really, I, I think that real estate is always the right thing to be in. And it's always the right time to be getting into real estate at the right price. Mm. Now, that's the catch in today's market. And so if you cannot buy at the right price, then I would say today is not the right day and that you need to keep looking at deals and you need to keep analyzing deals until you find one that is at the right price. Now, what is the right price? That's that's personal. I can't 100% tell you what your price and my price is. It, it, it depends on a lot of different things, right? But that's my general answer is, yeah, we always want to be in real estate. We just need to be in good assets, in good locations with good mortgages and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So you're saying if the sellers are still in denial, we cannot buy right now. That is, yes, that's always true. That has nothing to do with market cycles. That's always mm-hmm. true. Well, because keep in mind that there's never, I've I've been here for 18 years and I've never seen a market cycle where all the sellers got together and said, gosh, you know, I want to sell real estate really cheap today because I want to build them on to make a whole lot of money. You know, so we're just, <laughs> we're just all going to get together and sell our real estate real cheap today. Yeah, that is not a market cycle that ever occurs. 
all sellers are always trying to maximize profit mm. all the time. And so are you yeah. when you become a seller. So this is always the case. You know, it is more and less uh, availability of assets during mm. different cycles of the market. But the real estate, the gravity doesn't change. I mean, real yeah. estate's real estate. The business is business, you know. Yeah. And it's always, and it's not a win-win. It's not. That's silly. It's, it's one of you is going to make more money than the other. And we're going to see who, which one it is. And that's business and that's real estate. And, and to think that everything's, you know, holding hands and, and singing along is, is a little silly and sellers are going to try and maximize prices and you're going to try and minimize price. So get to work and let's see what happens. Yeah. Every investment goes ups and downs and just the problem is people, everybody think the real estate always goes up. Yeah. It goes up by time, but it doesn't mean like, you know, you buy it today, but tomorrow is going to be double. Right. So the macro time. cycle it always micro goes cycle, up. Yeah. Micro cycle can, can be up and down. Correct. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, Bill. I would say thank you for your time. Thanks for Absolute being pleasure, a guest man. on the show. I really appreciate that. And I'll sure. see you. I'll be, uh, you hopefully soon. you'll have you back uh, in the future on your 100th oh. uh, episode. Perfect. Like, I will I will love that. Thank you so Good. much. Thanks. Thanks, Take man. Care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on The Real Deal, a commercial real estate investing podcast, the show that covers everything to do with multifamily real estate investing to help you become an expert in your real estate ventures. We're here to help you create passive income and financial freedom so that you can achieve what you want whenever you want. We'll catch you next time on The Real Deal.